You are listening to another DX Talk. Delivering vital knowledge that empowers leaders to drive transformational change in their businesses. Brought to you by Quantum, facilitators of future-focused operating models that balance people, processes, and technology towards a new way of working. Welcome to episode 10 of DX Talks. My name is Russell, I'm the General Manager of Product and Emerging Technology for Quanton, and we have another exciting conversation today. Following on from last week's episode, where we introduced intelligent automation, we will be talking with Colin Priest, who is an evangelist for intelligent automation and the VP of AI Strategy for Data Robot, a global technology company in the machine learning field. The discussion today, the full discussion today, was 45 minutes. So this recording has been edited to include only the key messages and major highlights. If you would like to watch the full conversation where we cover a wider range of topics, we're going to have a link in the show notes. Also in the show notes, you'll find a link to Quantum's 2020 Guide for Intelligent Automation. We've got a quick message from Quantum, and then we're going to get straight into the conversation. The way the world works is changing, and organizations need to change with it. At Quantum, we transform your operating model to a new, future-focused way of working by helping you build internal capability and find the sweet spots where automation can have the biggest impact on your business with quantifiable benefit. To find out more, visit quantin.co.nz. Colin, welcome. Thank you. Do you want to maybe kick off with a bit of an introduction about yourself and what you do with Data Robot? I'm originally from Australia. I live up in Singapore. I worked much of my career as an actuary, so I had a background in data-based decision-making, but also on the business side. Been with Data Robot for almost five years now, and that's on both the technical and on the people side. And my main role is working with senior business executives helping them understand how technology can help them and how they should be the ones driving those projects. How do you define intelligent automation and what drew you to the potential of it? For me, intelligent automation is when your system is able to start doing things that historically would have required human decision-making. So it moves beyond well-defined rules into more complex decision-making or decisions based on less structured data. The technology sector has a habit of over-hyping the potential for technology in the short term and underestimating the, the potential benefit in the long term. My, my pers- personal view is you know, the, the term intelligent automation has been around for three to five years, but necessarily three years ago, there was, in my view, more hype than there was practical reality. But Three years is certainly a long time, and I know I hold the view that there is a very strong degree of practical reality now. So I'm, I'm curious on your, your views of what you believe is practical, practically possible for businesses now. It's certainly much more practically possible than it was even two years ago. But as you say, you've got to beware the hype. I, I read lots of science fiction, and I love my science fiction movies. What we're talking about now is nothing like that. What we are talking about is narrow intelligence. You can train a system to make a limited set of decisions in narrow circumstances. 
And if you have the right data and the outcome is predictable, you can do that quite well. But don't expect it to know anything other than that. We just have to think of it as more of a, a bunch of small steps that started to make it more practical. It won't solve all your problems, it's, um, but it will start to solve a wider and wider range of use cases. And you need to define them in narrow steps for that to work though. That's one of the things. Don't expect a single system to solve all of your problems at once. What do you see as the rate of adoption for IA? I think it's still at the early stages. Primarily because I think most people haven't realized it's even available uh, or practical, as you were saying. People have been looking at this sort of thing for years and uh, when they get into the details, discovered it was hype. But we are increasingly seeing it with the larger enterprises. With the big banks, which you mentioned, you know, the, the big, big businesses of the world, you know, those are the kind of businesses who I perceive to have a team of data scientists squirreling away up in you know, a floor somewhere, uh, a big team of engineers and, and various other technical professionals. I've got the view that we've also reached a point where those resource requirements are no longer barriers to embarking on IA. Do you share that view? And, and um, I do. Uh, the, the, the initial situation describing these huge teams, they're firstly only even practical for large organizations like big banks or like the big tech firms. But the other is that they're doing things the old fashioned way. Uh, it's like the early of 20, earliest part of the 20th century when every car was built manually as a craftsman car. And along came Henry Ford and said, well, this is only working for the ultra wealthy who, who are patient enough to wait for a car to be built for them and found a way to production line that. Now, it didn't result in fewer people being employed. It actually resulted in more because it made the technology available to more people. The same thing's now starting to happen with artificial intelligence. We are creating tools that make it a lot easier to production line the construction of new systems, of new uh, machine learning algorithms, of new artificial intelligences with the standardization that Henry Ford had with his car. So you can trust it works because there are thousands of others. And if there was a serious problem, we would have noticed it by now. I think that's but, awesome so we are seeing it filter down into the medium size enterprises now. And that's a great thing. I think with the very small enterprises, that's still going to be a challenge in the near future. They often don't have enough data or the value to them isn't enough to justify the cost. I think the solution for them is going to be more shared artificial intelligence systems. Uh, so services that are more generic. Yeah, I agree. I think there's definitely, in terms of building our own capability, there's, we've found there's definitely a flaw in New Zealand and it, it generally links to uh, scale and the value that will be returned to the business because there, there does come a point where establishing something is uneconomical. But uh, I do agree with you that the market will continue to evolve with different service models, giving businesses a greater variety as to how they can access capability. I think one of my perspectives and one of the key messages I've always pushed is that intelligent, well, I guess two, number one, intelligent automation is a capability and a solution. And number two, that that capability is made possible through the use of multiple technologies in combination. And one of the views that I have is a lot of businesses necessarily have some of these technologies that are required in their businesses. But it's a question, number one, of getting that technology to work at scale by itself, let alone getting it to work at scale 
in combination with other technologies to deliver that outcome. And I think that's, for, for me, I think that's one of the big challenges people have is, is how do we actually get these to work together as a capability? You know, building a single solution is not actually that hard, right? It's, it's getting them to work as a capability at a, you know, within a scalable framework that I think that's the, one of the big challenges for businesses. Yeah, too often people just want to jump to the exciting part, which is having a robot doing things. Uh, and they forget that the only way that will ever work is to change business processes, to connect things together. And so they buy one thing thinking it's the solution and then realize it won't connect things through or it doesn't work with their business process. Uh, we need a lot more of thinking through at a holistic level what things should look like, what business flow should look like, what stakeholders will see frictions in their experience, whether you're going to increase or reduce those frictions and, and plan that way. You sort of touched on change, right? And it's, it is, it's, it's having a very clear vision for what you want to deliver and what you want to achieve, but it's also then understanding people, processes, technology and governance and the interrelated dependencies between those pillars, if you will, because failure to do so and you, you're probably not going to achieve a, a tangible outcome that, that's sustainable within a business. What do you reckon is stopping businesses or holding holding businesses up? Because I, I agree with you that in terms of IA, we, we're at the very, you know, it's the innovators of the world out there that are driving this capability at the moment. So I think the opportunity is immense, but what, what do you think is stopping businesses adopting it faster? I think the, there's two big problems. One is that people don't know enough. Um, so they don't want to go forward. Uh, when they don't understand something. Uh, the other is that too often it becomes a technology project. It's not driven by ROI. Uh, you need to drive things according to business ROI and not technology for its own sake. So the solution to both of these is to educate business people, to understand the technology, understand what it can be used for and what can go wrong, and how to estimate ROI on new projects so that they can find some that are very likely to work, that are likely to pay off and quickly, and they can get going with that. It's an interesting point. One of the common questions I think out there in the market is if you look at automation, whether it's intelligent automation or otherwise, is, is automation a technology project or a business project? It's a bit of both, I have to say. that The secret to success is to get both of those groups working together rather than apart. Uh, you yeah. need the technology people to hold it together for it to be robust. But unless you've got the business people involved, you're probably solving the wrong problem. How are you going to build something that treats customers in the right way or that is consistent with your business processes and goals if your business people aren't involved? Yeah, I agree. And I think the other side of that for us, which we, we align perfectly to that um, definition there, but is that the, it's the business people that own the business outcomes. It's the business people that are responsible for the KPIs or, or the outputs or the processes. And so I, I certainly believe that the business has to have a, a high level of ownership in that area, perhaps more than is perceived sometimes. But the, the key point which you made is both technology and the business have to work together. And are focused on the outcome. And that, that that outcome, as you say, needs to be a business outcome, not a technological outcome. You don't build these things for the sake of having them. You build them to meet a business goal. Yeah, I think the other piece I'd add to that, and agree, again, completely agree, is, is the importance of governance 
over the top of that. And, mm. and I, I would say the, the representation of both the business and of technology at that governance level. That, that's, that's probably one of the key things for us. Yeah, pretty much every major fail in, in these types of projects that I've seen was because the business people weren't involved enough and because of a lack of AI governance. Which actually is a nice segue. You know, you've mentioned uh, before ethical implications, you've mentioned fairness, you've mentioned transparency, and you've also talked about the need for governance systems in IA. Now, I've, I've, this is a passion point for me, talking about AI governance, and I, I am told that this is a, a favourite subject for you too. So do you want to share some of your views on governance and AI? Sure. The number one principle is humans are responsible for what an intelligent automation system does. Do not think of these systems as fully autonomous, like one of these humanoid robots in science fiction. So step one, get humans to own the results and you get the right ones for that. The next is take away as many sources of error as possible. And they're generally the manual processes, the manual decision-making. There's just some basic engineering there. And then uh, finally, rather than making passive monitoring of a system, make it proactive. Set up alerts so that it alerts you when it is unsure about what's going on. What we call humble AI, where it's not so arrogant it thinks it knows the solution to everything. Design your systems that they get humans involved when things look weird or a customer needs a human or, or when things are just outside of their experience. To give this some context, like I, I, I want to make sure people understand the, you know, the really the importance and the severity of what we're talking about. Is there an example you'd share where you yeah. feel? Oh, I'll bring us back to coronavirus and keep it topical. If you're managing a supply chain in, in this, this year, there is no way the artificial intelligence system that you trained last year is doing a good job because the world changed so much. If you're in particular a toilet paper uh, supply chain manager, you've probably noticed this already, but I'm seeing businesses that just decide to ignore what's going on and just keep the system running. I've seen a bank that um, isn't changing any of its credit analysis because uh, yes, things have changed, but, Nah, people will excuse them because of that. And that's just horrible, horrible governance. It's going to come out badly for both the bank and the customers. The bank's going to get losses that it could have mitigated by taking preventive action. The customers are going to get stressed out and possibly even bankrupt because they've got loans that continued to go bad without any action happening. What you need are alerts coming out of the system saying, you are making decisions at the moment that I was not trained to make. Please get a human involved, or there is newer data. Maybe retrain it on the newest data so that it can get back to doing things automated. We can't just treat these things like a science fiction, like R2D2 or C3PO, where you can just give them a vague instruction and off they go. We need proper management, and at the moment we don't even have the same level of management that we have for human staff. You had three points there. One was get humans to own the results. Humans are responsible. The second was take away sources of error. And the third was proactive monitoring. I'd add a fourth one to that. And the fourth one is to have a, a safe set of, 
of business heuristics that you can apply when you realize something has gone wrong. Because when, oh, yes. you, when you realize something is wrong, it's not, you know, especially in the example that you've talked about or, or something more serious, like the deciding or predicting who gets access to a health service, you can't leave that running for five more minutes or a day or a week. It has to mm. stop now. And you, you have to be able to revert instantly and you have to know how you're going to do that. So obviously, if we're looking at your screen now, there's a nice Data Robot label in the corner and, and we did mention you're from Data Robot. We've seen the emergence of a niche category under machine learning called AutoML and Data Robot is credited with the creation of that category and it's, it's also recognized as a market leader in, in that space. So do you want to give us a bit of an overview on you know, what Data Robot does, what the journey's been and, and you know, where your focus is? So our goal in the end is trusted AI, where your AI shares your values, that it works in an intuitive way that a normal person can understand, and finally, that it just works as planned. It, it, it's not built in a garage uh, using uh, cheap parts. I think the other exciting part about what you guys are doing is you're democratizing, democratizing data science and you're making data science capability available to people in the business who understand the business processes, who understand the data um, and necessarily at a high level understand what machine learning is and how it works. And you're extending that capability, basically extending that capability into businesses, making it more accessible for businesses. Yeah, the analogy I give is that when I started my career, which is more than 30 years ago now, I'm really a bit embarrassed, there was no such thing as a spreadsheet. And I remember when the first spreadsheet came out, it was Lotus 123, which I'm not even sure exists anymore. But that was just like a revelation. And we were using calculators before then. But everyone was scared of it. And so only the most technical people were allowed to use a spreadsheet. And yet now it is so common that everyone has one on their computer at work. I have one on my phone. That's what we're trying to do with artificial intelligence. It shouldn't just be yeah, yeah, really technical people and scary normal business people, normal humans should be able to be able to do things. You know, maybe not the really complex stuff, but at least some mainstream stuff here. I think the way I've started to look at it is technologies like Data Robot don't necessarily mitigate the need to have access to highly specialized people or highly technical people. You know, we, we are, you've highlighted some really important risks, which I want to loop back to in a second. So you still need access to those skills. But what, what it's doing is making it possible for a far greater level of people within a business to play a hands-on role, to contribute and to use these technologies, which I think is really the powerful opportunity. We've had a really awesome conversation today. But by way of wrapping up, are there three, if someone was to come to you and say, uh, I'm interested in, in developing IA capability, what are the three pieces of advice you would give me um, or, or the biggest piece of advice you would give me? What would you say that is? So number one, make sure that what you're doing is business driven, not technology driven. Number two, make very clear what your expectations are of the business process that you're going to build and all of the stake and holder analysis that goes around that, including clearly defining what your ethical values are. If you haven't defined them, there's no way your AI system is going to act consistently with them. And finally, put proper governance around this. If this needs to be enterprise grade systems that you are building, things that are just hacked together quickly, uh, manually, do not work. 
Awesome. I think that's incredibly sage advice. Colin, look, we've appreciated your views and your insights. They're, they're incredibly valuable. Thank you for your time. Cheers. Thank you for inviting me. You are listening to another DX Talk, brought to you by Quantum, the future-focused pioneers for a new way of working. To drive change in your operating model through automation, or to subscribe for more episodes, visit quantum.co.nz.